A reading from the book of Genesis. Sometime after this, Joseph was told, your father is weaker. So he set out with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make many nations come from you, and I will give this land as a permanent possession to your future descendants. Your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are now mine. Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me just as Reuben and Simeon do. Children born to you after them will be yours and will be recorded under the names of their brothers with regards to their inheritance. When I was returning from Paddan, to my sorrow, Rachel died along the way, some distance from Ephrath in the land of Canaan. I buried her there along the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel said, saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons, God has given me here. So Israel said, bring them to me and I will bless them. Now his eyesight was poor because of old age. He could hardly see. Joseph brought them to him and he kissed and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, but now God has even let me see your offspring. Then Joseph took them from his father knee and bowed with his face to the ground. Then Joseph took them both with his right hand, Ephraim toward Israel's left, and with his left hand, Manasseh toward Israel's right, and brought them to Israel. But Israel stretched out his right hand and put it on the head of Ephraim, the younger, and crossing his hands, put his left on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abram and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys, and may they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow to be numerous within the land. When Joseph saw that his father had placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, and thought it was a mistake and took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's, Joseph said to his father, not that way, my father. This one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a tribe and he too will be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his offspring will become a populous nation. So he blessed them that day, putting Ephraim before Manasseh, when he said, the nation Israel will invoke blessings by you, saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Israel said to Joseph, look, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you back to the land of your fathers. Over and above what I am giving your brothers, I am giving you the one mountain slope that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. The word of the Lord. 
Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Paul. For those who are visiting, I am the senior pastor here. It's a joy to worship with you today. I first just want to give a shout out to Jalen. That's a hard act to follow. We have a mantra. We haven't said it lately, but I know some of our uh, early adopters to One Fellowship will remember. I used to say uh, One Fellowship is a church plant for kids with activities for adults. And uh, a friend of mine shared that with me, and you'll see why that proves true through today's passage, why, whether you have kids or not, why we are a church plant for kids. And I know it's just a fun little saying, but I love just seeing Jalen dance in his moment or his sister's moment. I do think today's passage, um, listen, I do think today's passage is one of the most important passages I'll share with this church uh, for some time because it's a a passage about legacy. And and as I went to research this passage, I realized like we actually don't do a good job of transitioning from one generation to the next anymore. And we want to do a good job. We need to do a good job. It's at the heart of God's word. So the title of our passage is Finish Well, but before we dive into Genesis 48, would you bow your heads as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever wondered in life, what does it look like to finish well? On May 7th, 2022, the world witnessed the impossible. At the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby, Rich Strike, a horse with 80 to 1 odds who had only been invited to the race the very morning before the race, came back from 18th place in 17 lengths behind to win the coveted title in front of 147,000 people in person and over 16 million people watching on NBC Worldwide. Here is a picture of the champ. This is from Sports Illustrated. The victory was nothing short of spectacular. When interviewed, Rich Strike's trainer, Eric Reed, said the key to winning and finishing well was never giving up. As reported by Eileen Finnan and Natasha Dye for People, Kentucky Derby winner Rich Strike and the horse's trainer clearly know the meaning of perseverance. Richie was supposed to be a small-time horse, but he won it not by a whisker, but by coming from dead last and outrunning horses the hard way, says Reed, miracles happen. In this past weekend's miracle follows several personal tragedies for Reed, the article continues. Just years before the 2022 Derby, Reed and his staff, listen to this, lost 23 of 36 horses when lightning sparked a fire in his stable in 2016, 
What we witnessed that night, I wouldn't wish on the worst person in the world, Reed recounts. We found 13 that had survived, that we had gotten out of the barn, and that was a miracle, but you just think it can't get any worse than that, and you want to give up. And there's emotions from anger to hurt to disgust, emotions you've just never felt before. Unfortunately, things did not get easier for the trainer. In 2020, Reed spent nine days in ICU with COVID-19. I got very sick, so I'm a little bit lucky to get out of that myself because I have a kidney disease, excuse me, kidney disease to begin with, says the trainer. Then after recovering, Reed lost two friends in the past year from cancer and a young grandson to a tragic accident. The experience or experiences, he says, taught him, quote, to never give up. Especially as he watched Rich Strikes Win with his 76-year-old father. Despite all of the challenges he faced, Reed says, it taught, it's taught me that dreams do come true. It's quite the story, right? What I love about this story is its raw honesty and determination that's found in this trainer, Rich Strikes trainer, Eric Reed. This man had been through so much, and yet he didn't give up, did he? Hit after hit, he kept getting up and moving forward, getting up and moving forward. And guess what? He finally finished the race. He finally won the race. One could say Mr. Reed displayed great faith in his journey and accordingly understood the power of perseverance. Now, turning our attention to our passage for today, Genesis 48, the same could be said of the old man in our story, Jacob. As we've studied throughout this winter and spring, this fella, this old man, had taken a lot of hits in his own life. If you recall, he'd lost the love of his life, lost the ability to provide for his family, lost the promised land or his homeland, and lost his cherished son, or so he thought, only to discover some two decades later that he, this son Joseph, was somehow still alive. Yet through all of it, what do we see? Through all the twists and turns, his cuts and burns, Jacob still believed. As our passage attests, Jacob still believed that God had blessed him in the past and would bless him in the future. And consequently, what do we see? Listen, we see Jacob finish his race well. Again, let me ask us this morning. Have you under, ever asked yourself, what does it look like to finish well? Is that a desire that you share? If so, I have good news because today's passage actually provides a template for us to follow. I really believe that. This leads me to our big idea that we'll unpack from Genesis 48 today. The pinnacle of faith, listen, the pinnacle of faith is not found in the moment we first believe, but in the transmission of our beliefs to the next generation. The pinnacle of faith is not found in the moment we first believe, but in the transmission of our beliefs to the first generation, excuse me, to the next generation. And we'll see this big idea play out through two points. 
Point one, a mature faith looks back and gives God thanks. And point two, a mature faith looks forward and gives God's blessing. So let's dive in. Point one, a mature faith looks back and gives God thanks. Our passage begins sometime later after this, Joseph was told, your father is weak or ill. So he set out with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And when Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel or Jacob summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make many nations come from you. I will give this land as a permanent possession to your future descendants. Your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are now mine. Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me just as Reuben and Simeon do. Children born to you after them will be yours and will be recorded under the names of their brothers with regard to the inheritance. When I was returning from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died along the way, some distant from Ephrath in the land of Canaan. I buried her there along the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. In the words of Pastor Nikki Gumbel out of London, praise is giving glory to God for who he is. And thanksgiving is giving glory to God for what he has done. It is the lens through which to view our entire life. And friends, what's the very first thing we see Jacob do in our story? In the presence of his cherished son, Joseph, and cherished grandsons, he gives God thanks. A mature faith, friends, looks back and gives God thanks. Specifically, Jacob says these words, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, bless me. He said, I will make you fruitful, numerous. I will make many nations come from you. I'll give this land as a permanent possession to your future descendants. That is where Jacob starts the conversation as he faces death. Notice the old man doesn't start by showering his loved ones with affection, though he surely cares about them. Notice he doesn't reminisce about his accomplishments or adventures, his glory days, though I'm sure he had many. No, Jacob starts with God. He starts by giving thanks to God as he sees the end of his days approaching. The point being, if we want to finish well, like Jacob and other biblical characters, listen, it's vital that we learn to give thanks to God and see our story within God's story the bigger story, the biblical story, the gospel story. To this end, listen, it's vital that we learn to do this with our loved ones and close friends in an intentional and considerate way as we see in our passage to share our testimonies with the next generation, to write it, to speak it, to send it, to share it. That's where Jacob starts, and that's where we need to start as well, if we hope to finish well. Bridging this to our context, I'll never forget the final words of one of my friends who passed away in 2019. His name was Roger Strait. Some of you may remember Roger. As the 
excuse me, as a husband, father, and grandfather, Roger had been a part of our church for some time. And his adult daughter called me one day and told me her dad was sick, really sick. And I could hear the urgency in her voice. So on that day in the fall of 2019, I dropped everything and I went to Roper St. Francis Hospital in Mount Pleasant to visit Roger. Now upon walking into his hospital room, what do you think I saw? A huge smile on the face of my friend Roger. Despite being hooked up to all these tubes and in declining health, Roger greeted me with the sweetest smile. Next, Roger proceeded to introduce me to every single person in the room and in the hallway that could hear him. He introduced me as his pastor. And I'm not gonna lie, it was awkward for me, but it made him so, so happy and thankful that I was there. And finally, do you know what he did? He said to me, Paul, can we talk about death? I was taken aback. Then he continued, I've prepared my obituary and I'm ready to go. It was so much for my senses, I kind of froze for a minute. And when I came to, I looked Roger right in the eyes and I said, Roger, that's wonderful. Let's talk about death. From there, Roger shared his testimony with me of coming to faith in Jesus and his trust and hope in the resurrection of Jesus. And he then asked me to share his testimony at his upcoming funeral. Can you believe this? He was still alive. And guess what? That's what I did. Just a week or so later, after Roger passed away, I shared Roger's story. And guess what? His friends and family were so moved and proud to be a part of that day, and they were proud to be a part of his life. See, Roger finished well. Roger connected his story to God's story. In, in so doing, connected all of us his friends and family members, and myself included, to the heart of God. He connected us to God's love, God's forgiveness, God's generosity, the hope we have in him. Friends, a mature faith does that. A mature faith looks back and gives God thanks. That's what I experienced with Roger, and that's what we first see from Jacob with Joseph and his grandsons in our passage. Now, this leads us to point two. A mature faith looks forward and gives God's blessings. Now, kids and students, if you've checked out, please check back in because this really applies to you as well. In the words of the late Billy Graham, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. And what do we see next in our passage? We see this very thing, the passing on of Jacob's faith by way of blessing. Listen, do you know that of all the things that could have been celebrated about this old man's life, there's one event that's singled out in the New Testament? Do you know what it is? It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. Quote, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then dropping down to verse 21, by faith, 
when he was dying, uh, excuse me, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of Jacob's sons and he worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. In other words, the pinnacle of Jacob's life and faith was the transmission of his faith to the next generation. Do you see that? It was so good. In fact, that scripture says it led to worship. Friends, if we aim to finish well, we cannot miss this, this transmission of faith. As individuals and families and as a church, we have to see this and do this. A mature faith looks forward and gives God's blessing to the next generation. Picking up in verse 13 of Genesis 48, then Joseph, he took them with his right hand, Ephraim towards Israel's left, and with his left hand, Manasseh towards Israel's right. He brought them to Israel, his dad. But Israel stretched out his right hand and put it on the head of Ephraim, the younger, and crossing his hands, put his left on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the one who has been shepherding all my life to this day, the angel who's redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and all the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow to be numerous in the land. Three things we're meant to see here. Three, three, excuse me, three things are critical to bestowing or giving the blessing of God onto the next generation. You ready for them? First, we must make sure that the next generation knows they're part of a bigger family. This is important. Again, quote, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and on and on. Friends, listen. Kids, listen. It doesn't matter if you grow up in a healthy family, broken family, weird family, or no family. If you're a believer in Jesus, you belong. That long list we read in Matthew chapter one, the one you skip when you try to read the whole Bible in a year, which includes in the second line, this old man, Jacob, it includes misfits, outcasts, and foreigners to show that the door to God's family is open wide to anyone and everyone. Again, if you believe in Jesus, you're in, you belong, you're part of the family. As promised in John chapter one, he, Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, listen, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from a human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Boom, there you have it. You see, for Jacob, it was critical that Ephraim and Manasseh understood this notion of belonging to a bigger family. And it's crucial that every boy and girl in our church understands this as well. Ari, you're part of a bigger family. You belong to the family of God. Jen, you're part of a bigger family. You belong to the family of God. Carly, you're part of a bigger family. You belong to a family of God. 
And oh, by the way, this is why we invest so heavily in our kids in student ministries here at One Fellowships. It's not fellowships yet. One Fellowship. Friends, to give God's blessing, first we must make sure the next generation knows what? That they're part of a bigger family. Second, what's next? We must make sure the next generation knows our trust lies in a bigger God. Bigger family, bigger God. Returning to our passage, Jacob praised the following over his grandsons. The God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. You see, Jacob knew. Jacob knew God could be trusted. He had faced grief and death and famine and betrayal and so much more, yet through it all, God had provided for Jacob. As his shepherd, he had provided for him. As his angel, God had protected Jacob. And you see this truth, that God cares for us and covers us, his people, was the second blessing that Jacob saw fit to pass on to his grandkids. Now, what might this look like for us, One Fellowship? Well, it's crystal clear through the lens of the New Testament. Ready? It means pointing our kids and our grandkids straight to Jesus. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, listen, it's scandalous and oh so beautiful. I am the good shepherd The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Boom! Young people, students, God loves you and cares about you. How do we know? We know because of Jesus. There's nothing of which you and I need to be afraid. Students who are graduating, as you leave here, there's nothing for which you need to be afraid. Jesus took on death, in sin and darkness, and he rose from the grave. In that act, that victory changes everything. Again, whatever you face, Kendall, you need not be afraid. You're not only part of a bigger family, we trust in a bigger God. Amen? Now for the third piece. Church, are you ready? All of us are designed for a bigger purpose. Our passage concludes with an unexpected twist. I don't know if you caught it. As Jacob offers his blessing first to Ephraim, the younger grandson, then to Manasseh, the older grandson, and it gets Joseph all worked up. Joseph says to his father, not that, not that way, my father. This one's the firstborn. Put your hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a great tribe. He too will be great. Nevertheless, His younger brother will be greater than he and his offspring will become a populace or as other translations put it, a multitude of nations. Now, while some theologians get really excited about 
this twist in the blessing, which does have merit, I'm not going to land here. I'm going to land at the bigger thing I see, which is this. These boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, listen, are blessed. It's simple. It's so important. They're blessed to be a blessing. Again, these young men receive the blessing to be a blessing. One will become a tribe. The other will give birth to a multitude of nations. It's quite a call on their lives. Can you imagine? Listen, friends, do you realize that you and I also have a bigger call on our lives? Do you know that, Jelena? I got a head nod. Looking at this all through the lens of the New Testament, do you realize that as followers of Jesus, we're not only called out of something, sin, but into something, mission. In Matthew 28, following the resurrection, Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, this is, this is nuts. I'll personalize it. Andrew, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the very, always to the very end of the age. Listen, kids, students, you were created for more. You were created with a greater purpose in life. The world will tell you and your friends, you are what you look like. So obsess over your looks. The world will tell you, you are what you drive. So obsess over your vehicle. The world will tell you, you are what you wear. So obsess over your outfits. The world will tell you, you are what you do. So obsess over your accomplishments and failures. But guess what? It's all a lie. You and I were made to worship the creator, not that which is created. And until we understand that, our lives will spin sideways and our hearts will be twisted in knots. But listen, when you do understand that Jesus came to claim and save you, and when you understand that Jesus wants to use you to help rescue others, even to the ends of the earth, it will set you on fire. Kids and students, you were made for more. Everyone here, you were made for more. One fellowship, this is all what Jacob shared with his grandsons. And this is what we're called to share here at One Fellowship to the next generation. We must help them see they're part of a bigger family. We're called to trust in a bigger God. We're made for a bigger purpose. A mature faith looks forward and gives God's blessing. So in conclusion, thanks for hanging with me. In conclusion, I thought a fitting way to end this time was to share one more story of a person finishing well. This past week, I asked our staff if any could relate to this sermon. Any could share a story of how someone had finished well, handed the baton to them. And to my delight, Taylor, our director of worship and production, shared the following account with me. Quote, I wrote this late on that night. I, excuse me, let me start over. Quote, I wrote this late on the night I spoke to my grandpa, my mom's dad, for the last time on January 11th, 2020. It's not necessarily faith that he specifically passed down to me in that moment, 
but I definitely felt the measure of the faith that he had. Here's what I wrote the evening he passed away. My mind is racing. I haven't been able to wind down. How do you thank someone for a lifetime of love, wisdom, and outpouring of life into all of us in a two-minute FaceTime call? I'm not sure words can come close to any of it. I think it's something that a person might see and understand in the, in the moment you lock eyes for that last time on this earth. But then that moment, it passes and you start to think of all the things you could have said and wonder if that moment is truly or was truly enough. There haven't been many people that I've met that compared to the sum of who my grandpa is or was. But I'm reminded here and now that who I am remembering my grandpa, grandpa to be is largely in debt to the Holy Spirit within him. I'm not remembering my grandpa as a man who conjured that love, wisdom, and life by his own power. I'm realizing now that he was a glimpse of my heavenly father whose spirit lives in him. And I'm just so, so, so grateful that grandpa allowed and surrendered his life for us to experience a piece of heaven here on earth. Sincerely, Taylor. Taylor, I'm, I'm certain your grandpa would be so proud of the man you've become and the man you're still becoming. Taylor, his, his blessing clearly, clearly lives on in you. Friends, have you ever wondered in life, what does it look like to finish well? The pinnacle of faith is not found in the moment we first believe, but in the transmission of our beliefs to the next generation. To this end, a mature faith looks back and gives God thanks, and a mature faith looks forward and gives God's blessing. And listen, whether you have kids or not, One fellowship, let's do this together. I mean, it amazes me to look through pictures of our church and see people that are single or couldn't have kids or whatever serving in our kids and student ministries. They get this. I want us all to get this. We all have a role to play in this family, this tribe of One Fellowship. One Fellowship, let's do this together. Pass on the blessing of God to the next generation and let's pray, listen, that they, that Jelena and Cooper and Maggie and Peyton and Chach, all of you set the world on fire in God's love. That's our dream and that's God's plan. Let's do this together, One Fellowship. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing story of finishing well. May each one of us feel called to not only live by faith, but pass our faith on to the next generation. Help us to be all hands on deck in this family, in this tribe. See what role you're calling us to play. We pray this for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>